I'm Asan, and this is the Friday Show. What a week it's been. But before we get into it, I want to make a small point. City won their first trophy of the season back in August, have won two so far, and are still on course for a historic quadruple, even if it won't include the Champions League. Good morning, Lloyd. Morning, mate. Are you feeling my domestic quadruple talk? Oh, up the charity cup. <laughs> community Shield. Up the Community the Marino, Shield. The Mourinho treble, the Mourinho quadruple. The Mourinho quadruple. Oh, no, actually, we've got to call it the Mancini quadruple on this uh, on this podcast because Roberto was the first manager to, uh, to hammer home how important the Charity Shield was in terms of it being a real trophy and getting the season off uh, to a flyer, so to speak. Um, hey, yeah, what a week. Before we, uh, before we get into some detail, uh, a quick, well, quickish opening question for you. Um, will you feel that Pep's time at City so far has been a failure, even in relative terms, if we don't win the Premier League this season? <clears throat> well, I think that's a, we were just saying off there, I think that's an, a very difficult question to answer, but one that I think's worthy of consideration given the position we're in. <laughs> I would I would say I would say no. It's it's very binary to think like that. There's a lot more I think that that you get out of having Pep as your manager than just pure trophies. Um, that might sound like quite a Pochettino thing to say in an apologetic sense, but I do think the the truth is I think it's very <clears throat> it's difficult to answer that until potentially it happens. I think you know if we're sat here in four weeks' time. And it, uh, you know we've we've somehow missed out on the Premier League. Then I think we all might feel a little bit differently in our answer to that. But at this at this point in time, I'd I'd say I would say no. Um, I think whatever whoever to be fair, whoever loses the Premier League this season, it's not going to be a failure. Um, and football and supporters and narratives at the moment have, have just become so binary in, in these kind of issues and debates. And you know these. These two teams in Liverpool and City are both on another level in terms of the points that they're accumulating and also the performances. I mean, us more than them, I think our performances have been, you know, amazing this season. The goal scoring has been ridiculous. Uh, the way that it's shared around the team. And to be fair, Liverpool, some of Liverpool's defending has been, you know, incredible as well. So if, if one misses out to the other and say if we get 98 and they get 97 or, you know, if they get 97, we get 96 because we draw a game. That's It's not a failure. And I think as a result, it would be unfair to characterise, you know, Pep's time as a failure if we don't, mm. if we don't win it this season. But, you know, I think it's quite easy to say that now where we're in a position where, you know, everything's still in our hands and we can, you know, win five games, we win the league. If we if we do if it does somehow fall from our grasp, you know, we might feel a bit differently about that in in four weeks. But I think that would be more to do with the the pain and uh, the disappointment. Do you think that we don't really know how far we've come? Because I don't think that uh, it is a, it is a very binary question, and I think the interesting point within it is that. You began by saying, you know, I don't want to sound like Pochettino, but actually it's not really like that because the way that I look at it, okay, if you win nothing and you win no trophies, it's a different conversation. People can have a conversation about whether you've been successful over your over your tenure, however long that may be. When you're winning trophies every season, 
you can't be expected to win the biggest trophies every single season. You know, that that era of Ferguson-type dominance in the Premier League, um, I don't know if even we can do that with Pep because of the competition around us. In the Champions League, I don't think it's ever been done. I mean, the kind of, the Real Madrid three Champions League back to back to back, a lot of that really does come down to Ronaldo um, and the the kind of the level of quality that was around him because I think that that's the thing you've seen at Juve where Ronaldo alone can't do it. The thing that Ronaldo had at Real Madrid was he had, you know, a world-class, highly experienced team around him that was actually built seven or eight years ago. And it's only, you know, the last three years that they did the, uh, the, the Champions League treble, so to speak. So I think that talking about success or failure, I think it has to be relative. And I think that when you're talking about somebody who less than 12 months ago won the Premier League with 100 points, which had never been done before, and is on course to get 90-something points this season, I don't think it really matters whether he wins the Premier League or not. I mean, I know that it matters to us as supporters, and I'm sure that in the kind of wider narrative world, there will be some narrative spawn negatively if he doesn't win the Premier League. Um, But I don't think that'll be fair. I don't think that... I just... I'm I'm beginning to get this sense that people, at the same time, want Pep to fail and also hold him to a standard that nobody can live up to to ensure that he fails no matter what he actually achieves um so yeah that's that's kind of my take on it what do you reckon yeah no i'm with you i think the other thing the really important thing is the premier league hasn't been retained for about 10 years now Mm. um which is you know when you look around europe and you look at the dominance that Bayern and Juve and PSG and other teams exert on that league. You know, I think Juve have won every league since they've been in the new stadium. This is this is what this is this will be their eighth season. You know, Bayern have won, I think, nine out of the last ten. Um, you know, I mean that's such a ridiculous dominance. Whereas in the Premier League in the last ten, there's been a different winner every single year. And, you know, it's show, and there's been some there's been some really good teams in, in that time. You know, obviously we've won the Premier League you know, quite a few times in, in that 10 year period. We've, there was a, you know, there was one of Ferguson's United teams. We've had um, the Chelsea team under Mourinho. So, you know, to, to even, to even win, at win the Premier League again, I think would be an amazing achievement because no, no one's done it. And to do it, you know, against this Liverpool team who, like I say before, I don't think they're as good as City. I think everyone acknowledges that. I think even the most ardent Liverpool fan would say that we're a better team. But somehow, by hook or by crook and by keeping Van Dijk fit for every game and that front three fit for every game, they've managed to match our results um, pretty much all the way and they've only managed to lose one game, which, you know, is ridiculous when you think about it. And the, the only loss is against us. So, they're fully, fully in it. They deserve so much credit for that. And so, yeah, if we, you know, if we manage to to pit them at the end, then I feel I feel like it will almost be a bigger achievement than the hundred points in a way. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the other thing about the kind of context of of this week's exit in the Champions League. I think that in the run up to this quarter final, 
it was widely accepted that we want to win the Premier League, that everybody would love to win the European Cup, but the Premier League is the priority. Um, and in a weird way, I think that nobody really considered going out to Spurs. So everybody looked at the Premier League as a very difficult thing to win because of the number of games we'd have to play. Suddenly, Liverpool have to play more games than us because we're out. Um, so from a kind of... It, I feel as though in terms of the Premier League title, the momentum has swung positively in our favour because of that exit on Wednesday. And I've seen a few people try and make the argument that, no, 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 this is going to affect City negatively and that actually Liverpool are more likely to win the Premier League now. Not having that. Lloyd, are you having that? No, I actually, I do think this this will positively impact City because Liverpool had four games left <clears throat> and that's Cardiff at the weekend. They've got Huddersfield. Um, they've got, uh, Newcastle away, and then they've got Wolves on the last day. That's a pretty, that's a pretty sweet set of fixtures for them. Mm. I mean, they will be laughing at that. But if you add in two games against Barcelona, you know, either side of I think it's the Newcastle game they they yep. sit either side of. That is that completely changes the complexion of everything because those games against Barca are going to be. So, so draining mentally, physically, everything. They're up against Messi. And, you know, I think Messi has shown early on in the uh, in the in the Champions League this season, I think, against Spurs, um, that, you know, when he, when he's when he is fully up for it, and I don't really think he's looked completely up for it. He didn't really look up for it against United, didn't need to be. That that will take so much out of out of them and you know for us to lose those two games and them to gain when we've as Pep has been continuing to bang on about when we've accumulated about 10 to 12 more games than Liverpool already at this point I think given their their relative squad depth um, I think it's that's definitely it's definitely swung it back in our favour and I, I would imagine you know the boys what they'll have been hurting on Wednesday night and probably Thursday but Actually, given how everything's gone, playing Spurs this weekend, I I don't think will be a bad thing at all for us. I think they're gonna wanna they're gonna wanna absolutely smash him. Mm. Um, I was told the training yesterday was much better than than uh, than Pep expected it to be, and the that Guardiola's feeling uh, after seeing the players was that he felt really good about the rest of the season and 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 the Premier League title. That you know, he likes to see how players react to 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 setbacks like that, and um, it is always interesting to see psychologically how mentally how players will react. But I think there's a sense that um, as as hard a blow as it was on the night, that um, they trained really well. So I think that's really a big, big, big positive because I think the my biggest fear in the immediate aftermath of that final whistle was. Man, how long does it take to pick yourself up from that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, uh, it's a very difficult thing to... Um, the emotions, and I, I think that if you think about what we went through, if you kind of channel that into the players who've actually had to run around for 90 minutes, I mean, we were going to talk about it later, but we'll talk about it now. Gundogan's reaction at the final whistle. I mm. mean, that's just pure emotion. Do you know what I mean? Pouring out of that guy. Um, it's 
it was, it, I was worried basically about how long it would take them to shake that off themselves. But it sounds like they've, I mean, we won't know until they, until they actually kick a ball this weekend, but it sounds certainly like they reacted well in training anyway. Um, <clears throat> okay. Let's talk about the Spurs game on Wednesday. Uh, I know that Howard and Jordan did a fantastic review. Shout out to those two for, for getting up yesterday morning and, and putting themselves through that. Um, I want to take a little bit of a wider look at, at the whole thing. Uh, maybe some things that they didn't talk about in detail. Start by talking about a couple of individual performances. I think Raheem Sterling's performance a little bit gets lost in the in the fact that we go out of the of the tournament. Did was his performance another level again from everything that we've seen from him in the last nearly two seasons? Yeah, he's I mean he's He's operating at a, a world class level now. He's operating at a, you know, best kind of one of the best elite forwards in the world at the moment, I think. And I think the the, the huge thing about Sterling for me over the last two games is I thought his form had been a little bit poor. He looked a little bit ragged in the games prior to um Palace. I thought Spurs away d- didn't really come off, did it? No. Um, <clears throat> the game before that, I can't, I can't remember me what which that which game that was, but I didn't, <clears throat> didn't think he had a particularly good game in that one either. However, the two big games um, of you know the last month or so for Palace at the weekend, um, he was amazing, massively stepped up when we needed him to, scored clutch goals, and <clears throat> and Spurs as well. I thought he was just on a different level. I mean, three minutes in, decisively. Cuts in, bang, bottom corner. That's just you know, that is exactly what we needed at that point. Obviously, we didn't end on end up going to win the game, but so decisive. And you know, I think he's becoming more and more decisive, and he's and he's taking he's taking the responsibility. And yeah, I'm just you know, I'm just such a big fan of Sterling. I, I really hope he wins um, Player of the Year and or the Writers Player of the Year. I'm sure he'll he'll win one of them, which I think is great. And I think that really changes the narrative because it's actually, it's a year ago. I think it's almost a year ago today, 23rd of April last year was when that last um, ridiculous story was written in the in the Daily Mail. Um, so it'll, it'll signal just a huge narrative change, not only not only for him, but just everything around him and the, and the kind of media circus. I do think that has started to, to go, which I'm so pleased about because I, I don't think he's deserved any of it. And mm. that, I think the way I said this on a podcast previously, but I think the way that he's kind of transcended football this season and become almost one of the most important voices kind of in Britain at the moment, given what's going on, I think deserves so much credit. And yeah, just on his football ability, I thought he was, you know, world class on on um, on Wednesday night. And I, I know he wasn't technically on the losing team on the night, but just didn't deserve um, for that to happen to him. No, no. I think the other player <clears throat> who didn't deserve to exit on Wednesday night was Kevin De Bruyne. Um, it's funny because I, the question that I've, I've put in the notes is, it's a question that I've a little bit struggled with in the last seven or eight days. Um, I think there's a stat during the rounds that De Bruyne's assisted six goals in the last five games and previous to that he'd assisted three in the previous hundred and something games. Um could this season have been different with De Bruyne and why? 
when you look at the number of points that we've collected, it's not like, you know, the, the weird thing is that if, if we win those two games, if we win Palace and Newcastle, the two games that we lost, it would be a perfect season, right? Um, and I, did De Bruyne play in one or both of those games? Played at Palace because he scored. He was there you go. only goal. Newcastle, um, I can't remember, to be honest. I'll have a look now. But he definitely played against Palace. Mm. Do you think... Uh, so how different... How could he have affected the season? Or is that almost like a, as much as we'd like to think that he, he, he would have made a big difference somehow, that the reality is that he probably wouldn't have done? Probably, because I think... He you know, plays in Newcastle as well, by the way. He does, yeah. yeah. But he's, um, you know, what what I think you could say to those two is if 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 he'd have been fully fit in both of those games, because he he definitely wasn't. I mean, the level he's operating at now, and the level he's he was operating at in say December, completely different ball game. He looked, you know, there were flashes back then, but he was looking a bit rusty, which is completely understandable. But you know, De Bruyne that's played in the last couple of games for City has been. I would say close to his level last season, to be honest. Um, yes, and that's you know that's just that that is a pure difference maker because there are just so few footballers that are even capable of doing that as a one-off performance. Never mind a consistent kind of basis. But De Bruyne has shown that when he's on it last season, he can consistently game to game be pretty much that good and almost play a different game to everyone else. And in the last, I'd say three four games he's played for us, he's been. You know, on a on a different level. I thought Sterling was on a similar level the other mm. night, but you know, if you look at those four games, apart from Raheem, that there hasn't been anyone even close to him. No. Um, for me, the really frustrating thing is what I do look at is I think he could have been such a difference maker in that first leg. Um, you know, I, I think we've we've spoken about how and why. Um, you know, Pep rotated his team and I think obviously it was all going to come down to the result and, you know, it might be a little bit easier now to sit here and say, oh, you know, that 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 was the wrong decision. You know, I, I don't feel as strongly as I did after immediately after <clears throat> that game, but I do think if he'd have played 60 minutes in that game, I, I, I honestly think even that would have been enough for the result to have been different, to be honest. So mm. that, is a fr- that is a frustration for me and I think, I do think despite the fact that Pep had to manage the squad. I think he could have. He definitely could have still started in that game. So that's that is that is frustrating. But there's not much we can do about that now, is there? What's Wednesday night City's best attacking performance in the Champions League? That and Monaco, I would say. Yeah, that and the, right. I would say that in the Monaco game. I mean, that Spurs that Spurs defense. I know Trippi is out of form, but that is a, you know, that's a that's a really high level. Defense, you know, that's Olivier, Olivier Eld and Vertonghen, both fantastic centre backs. Danny Rose this season has has got back to his level. Come back strong, Danny. He's been really good. And yeah. defensively, I think Danny, Danny Rose is so aggressive. I always think when I watch Spurs, he's so, you know, in the tackle, but also he gives proper jip. If you, you know, Bernardo went into him about three minutes in and he was right into him. Totally. Um, so yeah, I thought you know to to do that up against a Spurs team who you know defensively are very sound. Yeah, that was definitely one of our one of our best attacking performances. Mm. Um, do you want to talk about the various 
VAR incidents because I mean we, we talked off air and and as you you, you kind of know what my what my feeling is I don't think that we I don't think we go out of the Champions League because of VAR it's really that simple so um, for me. It, People can argue the toss one way or the other about whether the calls were correct or incorrect, but ultimately, VAR's not going anywhere. Um, and it's a little bit like arguing with God because you, you're not going to change that. You, you can't change what happened. So I kind of almost prefer to analyse City and what City do well and what City don't do well and how City avoid making mistakes if they made mistakes or how they could have approached it different rather than focusing on basically how a computer may have cost us. Um, is there anything you in particular feel strongly about or want to talk about? There is one thing, and I think it's to build on something that you said there. My problem with VAR is not the computer element. It's the way that the humans currently are operating it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that problem is that I think the, the thing is, if you, if you decide that we're going to have VAR, I think you've got to accept that there's going to be delays in between goals and um you know it is it is going to, we are going to lose that emotional element to a celebration in some goals it's just inevitable unfortunately but that's that's the trade off that i think jordan and howard talked about this really well that is the trade off that you're going to get if you want to get the right decisions and personally i think var is the right move and it's a good thing my problem with it is the way that it's currently being operated i think is is really poor um, the fans in the ground should be seeing it. They've now taken that decision that we at home aren't um, seeing it when it's been referred to. I don't think the referees should be going to a pitch on the sideline to watch it. I think that's comp- a completely wrong way to do things because they're basically stood in front of a crowd who will be goading them or whatever and it just exacts an unnecessary amount of pressure on a decision. It should be, There should be, like in rugby, someone... In a, in a studio, mic'd up, and we should be able to hear the conversation, walking them through it. Um, and my big frustration with, with Wednesday is they should be shown every available angle and the ref, the referee should be saying, because you, you could tell Kaye went over to kind of see if it had been handball and was just having a look just to see if he could see if there was a slight in, in, instance of handball. And as soon as they kept playing the same two replays, waved his head and he was off. What he should do, and this is about this is about having years of VR and this is why rugby is so good at it. They have they have the process where they talk it through and they say things like, is there any reason not to award a try? Or, you know, have you seen anything and that you but you hear you hear the conversation between the refs and so he should have been saying for me, you know, have I seen every available angle of this? Because on the TV is immediately after we saw, you know, two different angles. So that for me is a problem um, in terms of the way that we as humans are operating it. I think the technology actually is there. They just need to implement it in the correct way. Just to play devil's advocate for a minute, even if he gets shown the angle that everybody is talking about, the one from behind the goal, by the letter of the law, as it currently stands, that goal is still going to stand. Well, possibly by the letter of the law, but I I think uh, realistically, if you see if he sees that come off his hand, which it does, I think he doesn't give it. I think Howard said that on yesterday's pod. I think it was Howard who said quite strongly yeah, that if he, he sees that angle, he doesn't give the goal. I'm just not convinced by that. I mean, I guess we'll never know, but 
I'm just not convinced by that because when I saw that angle, which I saw immediately afterwards, my immediate thought was, well, he'll give that goal because his arm is right down by his side. You know, it's, it, unless I'm mistaken, it's about as straight as it can be and as tucked in next to his body as it can be. So, you know, I, I just... Uh, I, get, I, I, get, I get that, but if it's about what happens in practicality, the handball law, you know, I know it's different between UEFA and the Premier League or whatever. It's a bit of a shambles at the moment, which is probably why they're changing it. Fundamentally, he's gone over there to look whether it's hit his hand because he mm. hasn't seen that in real time. So I think if he sees it's hit his hand, I don't think he gives it. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Um, so look, I want to talk about some footballing stuff. Um, kind of a couple of meta things maybe that, that we can look at and discuss a little bit. Um, so the way that I've put it in the agenda is this, rotating centre-backs. Uh, is this something which Pep has done to keep players happy rather than for the team's benefit? And the reason that I phrased the question like that is because I feel as though it's the one position on the pitch, no matter who the manager or where in the world it is, generally that they say your centre-back partnership remains stable throughout the season, that you kind of build from that, that you rotate in other places. But really, your two mainstay centre-backs should be your two mainstay centre-backs. It's not been like that for City at all. And actually, it's something that he's not really been criticised for because the player who he brings in is Vincent Company, But there is a conversation around, is that a smart thing to do? Should we really be at this super high level taking players who haven't played football for months on end, dropping them into a key position on the pitch? And if if you look at if you look at Wednesday, for example, then or you go the weekend and Wednesday, Laporte's dealing with Mendy, who's he's barely played football with, and then Vinny, who is barely played football with. I'm not trying to make excuses for the mistakes that Laporte makes, but I'm trying to understand how a guy who's operated so consistently at such a high level ends up making what look like really basic mistakes. There's no reason. You can say it's just one of those games. To me, it feels a bit more than that. I felt like his performance, particularly in that first 45, was something I've almost never seen from him before. Um, and I, there was, it felt like there was something up, and I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to create an issue where there isn't an issue. I'm just wondering whether this constantly moving of the players around him has actually been a little bit to his detriment. And that's what we see. We see almost a culmination of that on Wednesday. Yeah. Look, I mean, it can't, it can't have helped, can it? It's, it's, it's a very difficult thing to explain that, that the, what happened to the port because he's, he's usually almost pretty much unflappable on the ball, but also off it when he's chasing back and, you know, covering spaces for often, you know, Walker or, or whoever's been our left back. But he basically shat, he shat himself in the first 45 minutes. And it's, it's yeah, it's very difficult to to try and work out why that is. I do think, I, I do think Pep has kind of got away with this centre-back thing a little bit because 
what what him and Stones were showing in the first half of the season, I think it's quite easy to forget because it seems so long ago given the amount of games. But in recent weeks, we've massively improved again defensively and we've started to shut teams out and really limit the amount of um, of chances and you know kind of shots that they've had. But actually, if you remember the first kind of third of the season, um, Stones and Laporte defensively were on a different level. I mean, mm. I, I, if the XG I think that we were conceding in those games was just absolutely absurd. I mean, I think in some, there were literally no shots at all. And so it, almost the disappearance of him does seem, it is pretty strange, isn't it? Because he hasn't, to be honest, it's a big word, but I was, I was pretty staggered that he didn't start against um, against Spurs on Wednesday. I really, really thought that was the that was the game to play him in. And I thought Pep was building up to that in the, the Otamendi selection. The company selection against Palace made perfect sense and if we're going to roll him out for games like that. But for me, Stones 100% should have been playing that game. I know he maybe hasn't played that much football, but that is a John Stones game against a, a quick attack in transition. Players like Son, players like Deli Alley, players like Lucas Moura, when keeping the ball is going to be so crucial, especially when we're a goal down. Um, so yeah, not to play him in that game, I do think is weird. And I, I think the kind of, yeah, the, the disappearance of him is is definitely a conversation to be had because he really hasn't played much at all, almost since, probably since January now. Is there a trust issue with, so if you look at the way that Laporte plays, you know, at literally every single game, um, and yet, in terms of his partner, you you literally stick you you know it's like drawing straws. You've just got no idea who Pep's going to pick. Um, would you say that there's a as much as Pep will talk about the build up, right? The reality is that Laporte is fantastic generally on the ball as well. Um, so there's always build up from Laporte's side. So do you think then that Pep actually has got an issue with trust? in terms of the partner. And that's why we see constant rotation rather than, because I do feel it's a little bit of a, you know, I've seen people say, for example, you know, it's, it's great. Like when Otamendi comes in for certain games, certain types of players, Vinny comes in for certain games, certain types of players. It's like, that's the ideal ideal. But I just don't know if that is the ideal ideal in at centre back, and I wonder whether rather than it being about horses for courses, it's just about trust. And Guardiola actually hasn't got a player that he trusts to play le- next to Laporte, so basically he's got three with, who bring different characteristics. And depending on the game, Pep kind of goes right. Well, I'll I'll risk this guy today because he's a bit more like this, so he'll probably do a bit better. Does that make sense? It does, but then what I'd flip and say to you is if it's de- depending on the game, what kind of game does Stones play? Because he hasn't played. Same kind of game that Leroy Sane plays, I guess. I mean, you know, there's there's a, there's a conversation, right, about... Uh, I've seen Pep say a lot of times uh, he has to rotate and they have to remain in four competitions because he's got a high-quality squad and he's got a lot of players and how do you keep those players happy? Less they're playing games. We had a conversation, maybe it was me and you, maybe it was me and somebody else, about the fact Liverpool have rotated almost nobody this season. And we've all season been talking about the idea that they'll run out of legs at some point. And they've not really run out of legs. They seem all right for the moment. Um, 
And from a fitness point of view, you look at the players, our players who have played played the most football and got the most uh, running in their legs, they look all right as well. So I do keep coming back to this idea that we're rotating as much to keep players happy as to as to it being necessary. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think initially, definitely, the way that Otamendi came back in to the fold kind of after Christmas, or just before, actually, that really felt to me as if it was a... It had a nod to keeping him happy because he played literally no football for, like, the first 10, 15 games. Literally none. And th- there were those... If you remember, there were those stories about, oh, Otamendi's unhappy, he's, he's, he's considering leaving. And then suddenly... You know, I I really don't think that was a coincidence. He started playing a lot more, mm. um, and that's obviously negatively impacted Stones. I just think this the Stones situation within the centre back situation is just weird because if I'm just looking at his games here, so he played three minutes against Palace. Before that, he, put, he last played eleven minutes against uh, Brighton off the bench, and his last start was uh, Cardiff, and then before that, he hadn't played for a full month. Um, and he played 48 minutes against Bournemouth when he came off injured. And then before that, he hadn't played for three weeks before that, and it was against Newport away. Mm. We, we've played a lot of games in that time. So to be going back to Newport for, for what is his fifth appearance when there's only two starts in there. Yeah, I mean, but, and you know, the, the weird thing is that there's been lots of games where he's not played where you've gone, ah, he's being rested for the next game. And then yeah, the next exactly. game comes round and he, he doesn't play again. Well, look, I mean, it will be interesting. I would assume that he gets selected tomorrow, right? Um, and then we'll see from there how, I mean, you know, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be at all surprised if John Stones and, and Amrit Laporte play every game between now and the end of the season, including the FA Cup final. And if that happens, then we will come right back around and I will beg the question of why now and why not before? Why not have a little bit of... And this is not... I'm not trying to criticise Guardiola here. I just feel that in general... Uh, it's the position that he finds himself in in terms of keeping players happy, having to play a lot of players and rotating lots of positions and lots of players. But we do find ourselves in a position where, you know, two guys who we as a supporter base in Lee Rosane and John Stones feel are hugely important for the future of the club um, and our top, top players right now just seemingly aren't getting the games that you would think they need to remain happy. But I think that's something that we have to, we almost have to wait and see once this season ends, like how how the summer unfolds. And with Leroy, it'll be about the contract situation. Um, I think the Stones thing will be decided by which centre-backs get sold, to be honest with you, whether Vinny stays, whether Otamendi stays and and what happens next. Stones, um, Stones I'm not concerned. Personally, no, definitely not. No, no, it's not about. I, I think my my concern with John Stones is just I want to see him play football, and if there's something wrong, yeah. I'd like to know what it is. It's not, yeah, a, yeah. you know. I think with Leroy, you can almost you can almost make the case that well, if you read between the lines, then Pep's already said why he's not playing. So that's cool. Um, but with Stones, it's you just don't know. Literally, got no idea. Um, look, just to kind of wrap up. Wednesday night 
what were your thoughts? Are you proud of that performance? Are you, you know, where where does the where's what's the overriding emotion at the final whistle after the the kind of anguish of of the way the result has happened and VAR and all that sort of stuff? How do you feel? I think the initial the initial emotion was cruelty <laughs> having having had that taken away from us, but I think. You know, then it was probably disappointment, but yeah, I was I, I was really proud of the team, to be honest. And after the first I mean, how can't you be after a performance like that? I mean, they literally gave everything. I don't think they I honestly don't think they could have done much more. Yes, we could have defended better, I know that. And to concede free at home, you know, that's a very, very big ask to to win it from there. But I thought we were I thought we were amazing, to mm. be honest. And it's just a completely different feeling to how I feel after the after the, say the first leg or some of the other disappointments in in the season because with those performances, you know, there's been you know if you look at Newcastle away, yeah, and the, and the Spurs first leg that you're you're frustrated because you feel like there's so much more there and they could have done so much more and you know they just weren't at it and it was a big game. There's absolutely none of that against against Spurs. I mean, they literally. Did everything. I was gutted I couldn't go to the game because um, <clears throat> midweek I just can't make it up. But, you know, I think the fans sounded amazing. Everyone that I've spoken to who went to the game said it was Hamburg levels. You know, I think Howard said it was better than Hamburg. Um, and, you know, I was watching it in a, in a pub, but the, the, you could hear the noise when that, when that goal went in. I mean, you know, everyone was buzzing. So even though it ended up being, you know, such a sour sour note and difficult to take I still I still feel quite buoyant now sitting here on Friday morning after that because you know the the, the performance and what they showed and the character you know to come back and you know Son scores come straight back he scores again come straight back um, and you know we were we were we were coasting at 4-2 in that game so no I'm, I'm really proud and yes I'm disappointed yes I feel like it's a bit. It is a big opportunity missed, given how you know Ajax look fantastic, but you've got to fancy yourself to beat them over two legs. Um, so it is. It is really frustrating, and you know the, the Champions League will be something that will haunt Pep until we get around to this time next season. But do you really nah. believe that? Like, do you th- do you really no, think that, it's like that not, much not, of a big deal? Like, I just I'm gonna go I'm gonna go down this rabbit hole. Why not? Like, the narrative is there. I read it this morning. Like, Guardiola should have won four Champions Leagues at Barcelona. His Champions League record is just not good enough for a guy who's meant to be the greatest coach of all time. Are, are you having that? Do you do you actually believe that? No, I think it's it's too binary. Um, but clear, I think the, the, the couple of things to talk about is clearly there's the margins are so fine, and it there there is a pattern if you look at Guardiola teams. So if you look at Bayern and City since he's left Barcelona, you know, he's gone out on such fine margins in so many games. I mean, you know, we look at Monaco and we look at last night. We've basically gone out on away goals. Uh, I think with his Bayern team, he got to the semis three times, didn't he? And he got knocked out three times. Um, there were missed penalties like there was for the Aguero one. I mean, it's so tight. And the way that the way that Pep plays, um, and I know the caveat to that is that I think the Tottenham away was an exception to that. But it's it's so high risk, it's so high stakes that, you know, 
individual mistakes, just something not going your way means that you're out. Obviously, if you look at the conversation as a whole, it is it is you know surprising that a Pep Guardiola team hasn't won the Champions League since 2011. I think that in itself is is a surprising thing. But you've got to look at the context. You've got to look at you know what's haps, what's happening in each individual situation. And yeah, I don't, it, the the way that people are painting it obviously is either a bald fraud or genius, which. Mm. Which is which is the problem with, with these things? I, I I do think Pep clearly obsesses with the Champions League. You can tell by the way that he talks about the Champions League in August, in September, when we're talking about the group stages. The way that he, you know, there are so many questions when we when we face one of the kind of lesser teams in the group stages, where he's always like, "No, guys, no, you don't understand how difficult this will be. This is a Champions League, you know." But it is a different competition. So high. It is it is so difficult, but. I think rightly he will be so frustrated and just disappointed that he's he's had some incredible teams. And I know that the best team in Europe doesn't win the Champions League probably eight times out of ten. But it's, it, it it's still it must it must be killing him because we are, I, I think we're clearly the best team in Europe and the best team in Europe doesn't always win the Champions League, but. The fact that you've got that capability and you know you can hit that level, it 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 will de- definitely be frustrating. So, I think you know we'll be we'll be here. But the thing is, we're going to have we've got two more chances at this, right? We've got two more years of Pep. I think this anguish that we're experiencing at the moment, it'll only feel sweeter if we actually win it. Definitely. And this will this will drive the players on um, for sure. Having had this, and I, you know, I know we could have said that about Monaco the year before, but you've got to take the positives out of it. And I think, you know, actually, if anything, personally, I mean, you might disagree. I think Pep might have learned from this two-legged tie that whilst he he definitely took a decision to be more pragmatic and um, kind of go against his instinct in that first leg, I think this the way that this two-legged game panned out might make him think actually you know what I, I think I, I've always been right in the way that I've approached it and next season not to do that mm, maybe I mean I, I think there are moments and there are managers um, and there are teams where Pep pays them a lot of respect and I think that that's what he did with Spurs um, in that first leg I, I mean I, I, I agree I, I think he took a he, he almost you know second guessed himself in that first leg um, but again having said that I still don't think that we lost the tie in the first leg because actually, if you look at the performance in the second leg, it's incredible. It's exactly what he wanted. If you remove two really basic, well, not basic, but two really unlucky individual errors from the first 30 minutes of the game, the game pans out very, very, very differently. Um, And that decision in the first leg is vindicating and I know a lot of people will argue well you know we we were always going to have to score four because Spurs were always going to score a goal if not more than a goal and I'm sure that I will have said that before on as well but I never expected that you know um that they'd score two goals because Laporte has a four out of ten performance because actually we I imagine that our conversation about why we think Spurs will score a goal is because privately we're looking at Mutt Walker and whoever plays on the left side and we're thinking our fullbacks can be exposed sometimes. But our fullbacks on Wednesday night, 
I think we're not really talked about it. Walker and Mendy were amazing, right? Yep. Some of our best players, I would say. Walker was like, I mean, that's maybe the best game he's had this season for me uh, on Wednesday night. Definitely the best game he's had this season. Mendy that, and that on Palace as well. I thought he was he was faultless at Palace. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think that you know within the within the context of what actually unfolds on Wednesday night, it's not really about what happened in 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 the first leg because I don't think you can countenance for for the manner in which we concede the three goals. I don't want to say freakish, but near enough freakish. Do you know what I mean? Like it, they're not. They're not normal goals, not in my opinion anyway, not for this City team. No, they're not. I mean, again, not to hark back at it, but if you look at the XG that they've got, I mean, from the, in terms of the quality of the chances, that second chance for Son, that's a world-class finish. Past Edison, where he t- curls it into the top corner. The first one, it, it, just, it was just so fluky, wasn't it? I mean, Son didn't connect with it properly at all, kind of bobbled into the ground. Edison, you know, I think the way the lads spoke about it, it was a bit like a penalty. Mm. We just took a guess. Unfortunately, it was wrong. Obviously, I think Laporte's touch was 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 the big error. And then, you know, the the, the last goal is a complete clusterfuck, isn't it? So, yeah. Um, the only the only thing to add to what you say is I, I do disagree slightly. And the, the big what the, one of the big factors for me is the lack of away goal. I would much rather in future in Champions League games. We're going to take a defensive approach. I'd rather we do it at home. I, I think just having not having an away goal is is uh, criminals. Probably a bit of a too big a word, but it's uh, that there's so much primacy given to away goals in Champions League ties that I think you, you always need one because otherwise it means you're always going to have to outscore the other team, um, especially if you've got that first leg away. Yeah, but even if we'd have you know even if we'd have gone there and scored two. It wouldn't have mattered, do you know what I mean? Because they scored, they, they scored three goals, so it, we would have had to go on there and score three goals. It's just it for me. I, I see that I see the point that you're making, but I don't think that there's a. I think the the, the no, playing for the away goal is not the not really the for me the right way to approach any game. I think you either approach the game to go right, which play our normal game, yeah. Or you approach the game and you go, no, we're not going to play our normal game. We're going to be a bit more counter-attacking. Yeah. I think that we didn't play our normal game. We went for the more counter-attacking approach. And if you go for that approach, I know Pep would have taken nil-nil all day long. So they went there for the nil-nil. You might argue that that's not the right result to go for. But I believe that if not for the freakish incidents that occur on Wednesday night... Guardiola's totally vindicated because the attacking performance on Wednesday night is almost what he's been winding up for. It, that the, the the cruelest thing about Wednesday night and going out is that the performance itself going forward is unbelievable, really. And the goals that we score are unbelievable, all of them. The action, the play, the quality that everybody shows, just ridiculous levels, man. I mean, we put four goals past Spurs. It, yeah, open play, like incredible. Every one of them, just amazing goals. So it's really hard to, it's really hard to turn around and go, well, the away goal 
not having a single or even a couple of away goals cost us. I just, I, I guess I just don't see it like that. You see the point I'm making? Yeah, no. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you about it. I, okay. I, I, I know what you're saying. Okay. Um, I don't know if you answered this, but very quickly, are you proud of the performance on Wednesday? Yeah, yeah. Said Me that too. earlier. Mass, massively proud. Me too. I, I, I feel like... It's, it's a totally, totally different feeling. to. I know, I know it's probably the most disappointed I've felt, but it, I think that quickly... It's tempered... I think every, inside you, you know that it's it's just it's a different kind of disappointment because of like I said how we played, and it's not disappointment because I felt like there could have been so much more like in the first leg or like against um, Newcastle or or you know maybe even against Chelsea away you know we were phenomenal and it just mm. didn't come off and we were on you know the cruel side of some decisions and it's one of the first times we've ever seen VAR pan out like that. And unfortunately, it's just tough shit. Yes, absolutely. Um, hey, but for all that tough shit, we still win the Premier League. We still do the domestic treble or quadruple, depending on what you think about the uh, charity shield. Um, looking forward to this weekend and the game against Spurs again. Uh, yeah, how do you... How does anybody begin to plan, prepare, approach for that game after what happened on Wednesday? Uh, what, what do you do? Does it take care of itself, Lloyd? Do you almost say nothing and just pick the same team and go, there you go, lads. Get all your frustration and your anger from Wednesday out this afternoon. I think what you do is I think, I think what Pep will have done is you don't, you don't really say anything on the, on the Thursday and you see how the players react. Mm. See what their see what their mood is, um, and then it, it you know if it's not right, it's then your job as the manager to intervene and motivate and you know say the right thing. But I would imagine you knowing this group of players that I think the reaction probably would have been right. There might be certain players, maybe a Gundogan, who's still gutted because you know he's got an eye on leaving, and I think that reaction probably said everything in that. He knows that might be one of his best chances, if not his best, to win a Champions League. You know, if if he leaves. Um, but what I think we've got to do now is we've got to use two things. We've got to use basically the disappointment from the game to just absolutely go at them. Just do the same thing. Just absolutely fly at them. Spurs emotionally, I think, will be knackered after that. That to come from such a high to then play us again. I think that's going to be <clears throat> so difficult for them, personally. Physically, they're shot because Sissoko's gone off, Winks is already injured. Um, they were playing, I think they were playing Wanyama and Deli Alley, weren't they, in, in yeah. central midfield? Um, you know, they're they're already missing Kane. They've got loads of other injuries. They're, you know, they're physically not looking good. So I think what Pep needs to do is he needs to garner that motivation, but this is also where this is where our squad can really get us out. So I think, you know, we've got guys in Stones, in Sane, in Fernandinho, maybe in Danilo, who can come in and who are all going to be, I would I would hope, chomping at the bit to do something because you always hear footballers say, you know, it's, it's horrible being on the pitch and losing, but it's even worse being in the stands because you can't do anything about it. Mm. And I imagine those guys, you know, Gabby Jesus as well, it almost be more difficult for them because they're sat there knowing technically as a footballer, I can do something about this, but I'm not on the pitch. So 
God, this is this is so frustrating. I, I I could be doing something about this. And you have to watch, you know, your mates go through it and feel <clears throat> maybe I could have done that differently. So I imagine some of those guys are going to be, you know, so eager to to get out there. And given the amount of games we've played, I think it's inevitable there'll be some rotation. I think Pep has to strike the balance between not rotating too much and bringing some some guys in for fresh minds, but also fresh legs. But yeah, I think the key is that he need. I think he needs to use a couple of those of those guys to start this weekend. Who's not got fresh legs and fresh minds? Everybody who played on Wednesday. How do you make that distinction? And w- with all due respect, that's a cup final. So it is I don't agree with finals. you at all when you say like you know. Pep needs to rotate. I'm like, screw that. Like Pep needs to, if his best 11 are physically and mentally okay at training today, they've got to play tomorrow. Leroy Sane and Gabby Jesus can't come in. Like what, what kind of, like if we drop a, if we draw against Spurs and look, Son has proven, Lorente has proven, these guys have, Luke Smauer has proven, they can be a danger and a threat to us. If we uh, if we approach tomorrow's game with the attitude of oh well Kev's tired or he's you know he's he played a lot of football last weekend and and on Wednesday we better give him a rest or oh, you know what Mendy's played a lot of football we better you know rotate and give him a rest or oh, you know Aguero probably needs a little nah like do you think that's a smart thing to do? Well, so what I'd say to you is. I think it's, it's couched by the the sense that what is what is our best eleven for me? Our best eleven in the circumstances is Leroy. For me, Leroy Sane starts. David Silva comes out. You move Bernardo to the middle. No, Fernandinho starts. I think Stones. I think is our is one of our two best centre backs. So I'd play him. So I, I I think those three, all of whom sat on the bench on. Um, on Wednesday, I think they, I think they should all come in okay. for the reasons I said before, and also because I think that's our best eleven. I think you roll out all the other dons. So I think Aguero has to play, De Bruyne has to play, Bernardo has to play, Raz has to play. You know, Laporte, despite what happened, you've has to play. He's been our best centre back by a mile. You've got to back him. Um, if Mendy's fit, you've got. If you can, if you can do it, I think that's a separate thing, just because of how soon he is after the. Injury, but if he's if he can do it, you should play. And you know, thankfully, Zinchenko's back in training, so <clears throat> maybe we roll Zinchenko out against United just purely because Mendy will have played three times in a week, and that might be too difficult. But if he's if he's fit for this weekend, we have to play this weekend because the I know it's a really footballer thing to say, but the biggest game now because of how this Premier League is 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 the next game. So we need to win the next game. Then we exactly. think about then we think about. Um, Old Trafford exactly. in terms of injuries or whatever, but I think we need to we need to win against Spurs, and that'll that'll calm a lot of nerves. So yeah, for me that would be playing our best team, and that would include that would include Fernandinho, that would include John Stones, and that would include Leroy Sane. Unfortunately, I don't think that you can include Leroy, and the reason for that is because I think that if you're going to make the argument that Ferner and KDB have to start, well, Gundo for me has to start as well in that three. And I think he's been consistently in our top three players, um, if not over the entire season, then certainly in, in 2019. 
Um, and I just has, don't. My, I don't my, only, my only worry about Gundo though is just I think he's the he's the one player that you'd need to look at, and you'd only know privately about his reaction. That's true. The game. That's very, that's very true. And I've got another question for you. Um, I keep seeing people saying you need to move Rasbat to the right. I think Sterling uh, continues to show that he's better on the left than he is on the right. Would you go along with that? I think actually there's there's quite a lot to be said for that because that goal that he scores from De Bruyne's pass, I don't think Sane would score that personally. Yeah. In terms of positioning. The other thing that we've seen with Raz this season, it's happened plenty of times, is that first goal, the cut in and the arrow bottom bottom corner. We saw it so I think we saw it in the first game against Arsenal. Um on the very first day away, he did that when he played on the left and Bernardo played on the right. Um we saw it last night. I think we must have seen it about five times this season. I don't think that's an exaggeration yep. in terms of his goals. So that is something that is that just purely by the fact that, you know, I think Sterling's got a decent left foot, but he, he's not going to do that from the right hand side, is he? No. So yeah, he's definitely he's definitely bringing his game on in in um in that sense on the left. And he gets in the team he gets in the team in front of Leroy because there's only one winger that's going to play on the left hand side. So you're not gonna you're not gonna drop Sterling to the bench to play Leroy Sane, are you? No, but I, I would still Would you drop so would you and you this is the other thing that I'm beginning to come round to is this idea that, well, you know what, Bernardo we all keep saying that he's better centrally, but he keeps making massive impacts from the right-hand side and Pep keeps picking him to play on the right-hand side. And he looks, that sort of little understanding between him and KDB is that basically the combination of Bernardo Silva and Kevin De Bruyne on the right-hand side is devastating for whoever. You look at how good Spurs are defensively, how good Danny Rose is, how good Vertonghen is, how good Alderweireld are. They had absolutely no idea what to do when KDB and Bernardo were linking on that right-hand side. So... They can link centrally though, can't they? I don't think that Bernardo has that kind of impact centrally. I really don't. I think that he... What about the Liverpool game? Oh, no, I'm not saying that he's never done it, yeah? But I'm just saying that I, I'm not convinced that everybody's calling for that as a solution, but Pep Guardiola hasn't gone near it, yeah? He's had loads of opportunities and he's not gone near it. If it ain't David Silva, it's Gundo that plays centrally alongside KDB. So when Pep's asked about Bernardo Silva's position, he always says he can play anywhere along uh the attacking he can play anywhere along the attacking line and then people will say oh yeah but what about centrally as a number eight and he's like yeah he can play there it's not necessarily his position but he can play there so you know i think recently though he did say uh about a month ago that he thinks his best position for bernardo is centrally which was a bit of a double take on what he's been saying really okay if he said if he said that then maybe he has but then why hasn't he tried him there because well i've i've I think that's that's a, a Leroy Sane shaped and Bernardo uh, and a David Silva shaped issue personally. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe. I just I, I, I as much as I would like to see Leroy play more games, and as much as uh, I feel he hasn't been utilized maybe quite enough. Um, I do. T- I thought that Wednesday night was a really good. 
example of why Guardiola thinks that that front three is his best front three because they were unplayable and that's pretty much what you want and and the, again Leroy comes in under very difficult circumstances and he can't be expected to turn the game by himself but at the same time he has almost no impact when he comes onto the pitch which is really disappointing in a moment where you feel like you need to go and create and score a goal um and it's not to again I'm not trying to criticize him it's just it's more about the levels of the players that Pep's picking and then going all right how do we get really bummed though at the moment totally totally but it's not you know we're in that we're in this really weird position where we've got squad players that in almost every other team in the world are guaranteed first 11 starters John Stones Ilkay Gundogan um Leroy Sane Gabby Jesus in my humble opinion, maybe with the exception of Barcelona and Real Madrid, those guys play in the best 11 at every other football club on the planet, but they don't at Manchester City. So that's, you know, at a certain point, something will give. I think that the squad will have to be refreshed every three or four years because something will give every three or four years. Players will go, I can do that for two, three years and pick up some trophies. But at a certain point, I'm just going to go, right, well, if I can go over here and just play every week, I think I just want to go there and play every week. And I will have no issue. I've got no issue with any player wanting that. And I've not got no issue with Pep Guardiola managing his squad of players exactly how he sees fit. Because... I want Pep more than I want any individual player. Apart from Russ. <laughs> <laughs> and KDB. And KDB. Because I did say some pretty hard things about Pep last week after he dropped KDB for that first leg. So no, but you see, you see the point that I'm making, don't you? That it's it's a difficult thing to even it's like, so we can talk a little bit about that. That, I think that, br- that brings us nicely onto the story, doesn't it? Yeah, that, that El Chiringuito TV story. And for the record, like El Chiringuito, they ate Guardiola. They, they you know, they're, they're not particularly reliable. I've seen loads of people say, yeah, they broke the Laporte story. I think it was our friend Jose who broke the Laporte story or one of his mates. But this story, which for those of you who haven't seen it, seems to be that Uh, an exclusive that up to eight first-team players will ask to leave City this season. Number one, bollocks. Like, it's really easy to draw up a list of eight players who potentially could leave this summer because they haven't played tons of football. But that's a wholly different conversation from eight players rocking up and going, I want to leave. I just don't think that that will ever be the case. Um, But does kind of bring us back to it is tied into what i just said to you do you think that we will have to refresh the squad do you think that this is the downside of having such a big and high quality squad is that sometimes you'll lose players who you think are world class but just who aren't happy and I'm not saying somebody is unhappy right now just in general when you carry a squad at that level that you might lose players yeah 100% it's it's just inevitable and I think the funny thing about it is I think we would as a fan base we'd probably agree that we've 
potentially over-rotated this season. Yeah. And we this is the, and this is the problem we find ourselves in. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's almost impossible for Pep. And yeah, if you look at individual situations, you know, I am I am really concerned about the Sane thing. Um should we hold on, can I ask what? you a question, really? Sorry, can can I ask you this question, right? Do you think we should do one thing, right? And that is that we should from every line, from every position, uh lose one player and replace them with a player from from the academy. Like is the, is part of the problem right now that we it's unsustainable to have good enough players in squad positions 17 to 25 that basically you can have or or 18 to 25 that you can have 18 19 at that level but beyond that you're going to run into difficulties and problems i don't think that that many in terms of bringing okay. them through but we should we should be look i mean if if gunduan leaves we're going to we've got literally the perfect player who's come from our academy who's currently sat around mm. in my opinion I, I i don't think i don't think there's almost anyone better we could sign than 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 bringing foden in for gunduan mm. so thankfully that that should you know if that happens that should solve itself um yes the ideal with kind of uh, youth players is that you do it's one thing that United did get right in the you know your kind of auxiliary right back so what was like a John O'Shea or a Wes Brown or whatever for them you know you save yourself loads of cash and instead of maybe having a Danilo if things went right you have say Maffeo or someone like that or you have Angelino as your backup left back but it's, it's, it's really difficult to do that and I think you know City should be targeting to bring I think bringing a youth player through every year into the first team squad is probably not possible and a mm. bit a bit too optimistic. But every you know every other year, <clears throat> trying to bring someone like Garcia through as your fourth centre back every every couple of years, I think they should they should be trying to do that definitely. Um, but yeah, back on to the subject with the players. I mean, it's it's completely understandable. These guys, you know, if you look at say Danilo, you know, he's been at Real Madrid, he sat on the bench, he's won loads of trophies. I think he came to play a bit more. He hasn't played that much. I think all City fans would agree he's a really good player every time he plays. If he wants to go somewhere else and play every week, I don't think you can begrudge that. Mm. Sane is, you know, potentially world class. He hasn't played hardly at all since the turn of the year. He's 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 in a contract year. If he wants to leave, you know, we the, I think the difference with that is we don't know what's going on. It sounds like this off field stuff. I would understand it. Mm. He, you know, he hasn't played. I think there's justifiable reasons he hasn't played, but still, for him, I would understand his decision. So, yeah. Are we overstocked in attack? Mm. No, I think we've got the right amount of players at the moment. It's just that, like you say, the dynamic in terms of the, the demographics of the players um, might just be might be slightly off. Um and that might be, I think that's only really come about because of how the Mares transfers transpired. If he tra- transpired in a different way and came in and really hit the ground running, we might not feel like that signing should have happened in terms of it impacting Leroy potentially. But but even if he'd have hit yeah. the ground running, when was he going to play? He's not better than Bernardo Silva and he's not better than Raheem Sterling. 
No, I know. That's that's a di- that's a difficulty. I mean, Bernardo's, but Bernardo's level this year has gone up even more, hasn't it? Mm. I think to be fair. Do you think that we're overstocked at centre back? No, I think four is is perfect. Personally, I think. Do you think might... then that we have a quality problem at centre back? No, no. I just think I, I'm just a bit bemused by the rotation. I think if. If we're going to lose, I think you can afford. I think if anything, we've got too much quality at centre back. Maybe mm-hmm. you could have. I think your Hence the over rotation. Potentially, yeah. I think your fourth centre back could definitely be Garcia. Mm. Not this season, but say next season, or a player of that kind of um, stature. Because you know, if if he is that, if he is truly that level, which I think he might be, then you only have to look at say a Liverpool Joe Gomez situation that. He got a chance when there were injuries to Lovren and whoever else they have at centre back, and played ten games. You can explode. It happened with Alexander Arnold. I think it's beginning to happen with Foden. Um, so I think you can afford to have to have that at, at centre back for me if mm. you haven't got. But then you know we've got we've got injury problems at centre back because we have Vincent Company in the squad, so that's something to consider. Is that, a, is that a sustainable situation then? Is that, you know, should we have a special teams player in or a special needs player in the four? Does that make sense? Because that, that's quite, that seems, it seems to be quite a big thing in a way to almost have a guy who takes up a squad place but only plays a half a dozen games a season, but they're really high level games. Surely within, surely you should just have a partner for Laporte who could play at that level. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. De- no, definitely. And uh, but this is the thing that, that having company around isn't the most rational and it's not the most sensible decision, is it? But you, you, you know, company brings a lot more than just being wheeled out like an old, an old great um, for certain games. There's a lot more to what he is. Oh, totally. So it's, 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 not, a but, unique, it's a unique situation. But from a playing point of view, that's what happens. I mean, what yeah. he brings to the dressing room is, is, is unquestionable and what he brings to the club is unquestionable. And I, I, for one, do not want to see him leave. It's not a conversation about whether Vincent Company should leave. It's just that, you know, I, I just, I, I'm looking at the, I, I guess I'm just looking at, looking for consistency and and if there isn't consistency I'm wondering why there isn't consistency and that's both in performances and 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 in certain types of results in certain games and you know I've had a couple of long conversations with with Marty Perrin out in the last 48 hours about this when about what happened on Wednesday night and this team and the different areas of the team and how they look and whether it's right and I mean you know the the flip side of what I'm saying, because obviously I'm trying to make the argument that it's because of a they've maybe rotated too much and there isn't consistency at the back and too much chopping and changing and the Mendy thing means you're not really at a consistent left back and maybe everything just came to a head with Laporte. Whereas, you know, Marty's like, well, no, it's the fine margins of football. Aguero scores the penalty and that game at Spurs is a completely different game of football. Delft doesn't, make the mistake that he makes that allows Son to score, doesn't switch off in that second, in, in, in that moment in the game. And it's a completely different game of football. 
You look at last Wednesday and the, the, the Laporte situation. I mean, Laporte is our most consistent defender. You can't really legislate for that. And so it does kind of bring me full circle to this idea that you can't win every game. You can't win every tournament and you can't have the exp- I mean, you, you can have the hope going into every season that you'll win everything, but you can't have the expectation that you'll win the biggest trophies every single season, no matter what the squad is like. You can always tinker with the squad and you can always go like, well, if I move this piece out and move this piece in, it'll be stronger and it'll be better, but shit will still happen because otherwise football wouldn't be the sport that it is. Have I just yeah. argued against myself? Potentially. <laughs> pretty pretty good job of... of it's not, of it's not a new one for you, though. <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, look, um, I want to wrap this up. How do you how are you feeling? How are you feeling about Spurs tomorrow? How are you feeling in general going into the end of the season? Do you reflect? Do you look back? Are you a are you a forward looker or a backwards looker in the sense that do you take the context of the last 18, 19, 20 months and just go, man, I'm really fucking proud and and really, 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 yeah, we are really blessed to have the team and the manager that we are? Or are you a bit frustrated? this Friday morning because you feel that something we've not lived up to what we could have been. No, I don't, I don't think so because if look, I know city fans have conversations about the champions league a bit like no other club, but if we, if we sat here on, you know, May, whatever, 18th talking about a domestic treble or a quadruple, the, the Mancini quadruple, then everyone will be buzzing and, I would have snapped your hand off for that at the start of the season. Totally. Absolutely. Totally. So I think the the, the 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 key thing for us now is it's it's six cup finals, including the FA Cup and um but also the best bit for us, it's in our hands. Right. So it's 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 tough, but if we don't win it from here we can't complain too much because it is in our hands. So we totally. if we win every game, it's it's ours. Yep, absolutely. Liverpool, Liverpool are waiting on us, and I do think they'll probably win all four. But the players will know that Pep will be drilling that into them every second of every day. If we and we we take it game by game. The thing for me is, I think if you look at all five as a total, I go shit. It's going to be difficult to 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 win all five. But I imagine on the Friday leading up to every individual game, I'll be saying we can win that. Yeah, we can win that game. Yeah, but it's just as a whole. To win five, I'm just it just sounds sounds tough, especially with United. You know, three days after Spurs, I think United have been shit recently, but it's a derby, so you know, whatever, anything can happen. I think you need the mini momentum of Wednesday's performance. I think you need to go and win tomorrow, continue the momentum of Wednesday's performance, and then you need to carry that into next Wednesday against United. And I think that if you can get to the full time whistle at Old Trafford and you've navigated yourself six points from these two games, I think then you can begin to truly feel like you can do this. I think that those two games are huge games and each one, it's why I've got no time for any conversation about any type of rotation tomorrow. I'll be screwing if anything weird happens with the team tomorrow i mean of course there's a fitness thing of course we don't know who's injured how people have recovered mentally physically blah 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 but at the same time please god let let all of the 
Let, let De Bruyne be fit. Let Sterling be fit. Let Laporte be fit. Let Mendy be fit. Let Walker be fit. Let Aguero be fit. Let Bernardo be fit. You know, those the, the, those are my go-to guys. Those are the, They are the undroppables in a way, and they all need to play for me. Um, and, and we get those three points. We get the anger and the frustration from Wednesday. We get it out tomorrow afternoon. And by Sunday, we all feel a hell of a lot better about what's what's left of of this season. That's not hope now. That's that's a real belief that I've got because I believe in this group of players and I believe in this manager. And I think as much as Wednesday stings and shit can sometimes happen, um, like you say, it's in our hands. And I I wouldn't. That's the best position that we can be in. Five games left, the Premier League title in your hands, domestic quad in your hands. I mean, come on, who who wouldn't want that? Um, Lloyd, simple question. Will we get the three points against Spurs tomorrow? Yeah, I'm confident. Me too, me too. Excellent. Right, I'm wrapping this up. Thank you very much, mate. Pleasure, mate. To everybody who listened, thank you very much. This was... Kind of difficult Friday show to do, but I'm glad that we did it. It was indeed the Friday show. We'll be back with a review of the Spurs game after the Spurs game, either on Sunday or on Monday. Be safe, be well, support your blues, and as always, up the blues.